up everybody i'm your host nicholas ridiculous aka nick ridick aka the hairless hyena and welcome to another episode of the hurt circus this is episode eight um today i'm actually gonna try and clean up the little sit down i did with my grandma and actually and actually put it out on the last half of this episode because generational inheritance is important, and lately, you know, it's like the last week of summer, it's that time where you're like, your mind's like, I gotta use this time so wisely, but then, as you slowly move, it quickly passes, and then, it's fall, fall's dope, fall's my favorite, come alive in the fall time, but it's that feeling, I don't know, there's something about summer, Especially growing up, you just see everyone, families, vacations, adventure. And when you you don't really have that growing up, and then you grow up and you still don't have that, it's kind of just like a weird craving for something that you don't, that you never really had. And you try, you try to do it. And it just ends up feeling imitation at best. Like, not being human, but pretending to act as the humans do. It's a weird, weird middle ground, I guess. <laughs> but, um, you know, I've been... I finished my workshop, um, Scrap Packs, the Creative Connection Scrap Packs. It was my first uh, workshop with... Youth living in or dealing with transitions out of the system and into independent living and stuff like that. So that was like a six weeks, six week course. There's my first one um, with Vibe Arts and uh, Free to Be, and it went went all right. You know, it went. It was my first, so it's a lot of learning, I guess, and a lot to grow on. But other than that, it was just really cool to actually, um, for once in my life, work a job that actually I felt better afterwards, kind of, you know, it, it, it wasn't like it just, uh, it, it, uh, it, it didn't take, um, it didn't just, just, it just didn't take all my energy out. It, it actually gave me energy back in return in a cool, satisfying way. And I was just like, wow, is this, this is why work is so easy for some people because they actually, are enjoying what the hell they're doing. And I guess now the goal is to get there in a more consistent basis because I'm at this point with my day job where it's... It's all starting to become so numb, you know? It's... You you just get stuck in one place for so long and you don't have enough real footing or maneuverability to elevate in any way, so you just become kind of apathetic to it all 
because you know the learned helplessness sinks in and nothing gets better and nothing really changes and you kind of just are and you get stresses and anxieties and they just roll over into other stresses and anxieties and it just continues on and on like that so you wonder how is everything how is anything ever supposed to get better if there's no real recourse for betterment I guess well in a capitalistic society that we live in and we're so entrenched in and we all fucking love because capitalism's the best Money is the main thing that matters. And yeah, the rich people and people who have always had it will tell you it's really not that important. That's because they've never gone without, you know? Because if you've ever actually struggled and been on that side of the tracks, you know. (laughs) You know how important that shit is because everyone fucking wants it. And everyone has everything you need. So, by proxy, they want your money. So you get what you need. So I guess all this to say is, yeah, I'm just trying to work on this other hustle of being a creative workshop facilitator, or however you'd want to phrase it. Just passing on my own, I guess, creative practices in hopes to help build up young people who are coming out of a system that's kind of built on falsehoods and fakeries. You know, they basically, you know, it's, it's, it's just like, it's like they're, they're, they're finally being unplugged from the matrix and starting to build them back up. And that, that, that was the whole focus of my thing. It was just not to like, it's not to sit down and do this, this, and this so that you can, by the end of this, have a thing to post on your Instagram or show people that you can do art or whatever the fuck it was like all that was probably a part of it but the main idea was in building this thing you're also building yourself and it's supposed to echo throughout as you move forward in life and you're supposed to kind of keep building on to the growth that we hopefully started And it's growth of self-worth, self-confidence, self-belief, and just the belief that you can, rather than just thinking what if or what about or whatever. It's moving beyond just the thought and actually taking that thought into action. And instead of just remedying a thought, but actually taking the action and following it through, rather than... Because when you exist in spaces where you have no power at all, you can't, you're more than often than not not allowed to do anything. So you live in your daydreams. And instead of doing, you think of doing. And somehow in your mind, you placate that to an actual experience. It doesn't always, you know, it's what you got to do to get by, though. It's the same thing with like being raised on TV. You didn't live a life, but you lived a life vicariously through other lives. And yeah, it may not have added up to the best, but it at least helped you get built up on something. And yeah, through this workshop or whatever, I'm 
because I've for a couple of years now I've been working as a youth advocate on this council to help create a program called um, Free to Be, which would be uh, I guess they call it Housing First Initiative or whatever the hell, just uh, a program to help um, at young people who are aging out of the system just find independent living and gain independent skills and just um just adjust in a more healthier kind of guided way into independent living and um, being an adult and stuff like that because from my experience when you're coming out of the system if you don't if you don't jump when they say jump or you're not following everything they tell you to do to a T they'll cut you off pretty quick and um, there's no real middle ground. There's no real understanding. It's kind of like fit the mold or get the fuck out, you know, in a weird kind of... And that's the kind of stuff I'm, through my minuscule work or whatever, I'm trying to combat that because, as I've said probably before in other episodes, like, we're, we, we are the ones who are going to make things better. The people, the veterans, who've gone through these these lifetimes of just being dipped into different foster homes and into the system and out of the system and just felt the full brunt of what it is to exist within the child welfare system and to grow up and come out of that. We are the ones who actually have the knowledge that the people who think they're doing change and making things better, we have the knowledge that they hope to have one day. But we actually have it through our experience. It's, 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 it's a crazy thing because it's like they have the gas tank to pour the gas, but we're the fucking gas, you know? We're the ones who are actually going to fucking ignite some shit. They're just... They're just people... On their pedestals and their false power... Who... Were raised good to be good, so they're going to do good. And it's like, nah... You're not the ones. No, you're you're not the ones to do it. No, because no one cares. You know? A wolf pup ain't gonna follow a bobcat. You know? You want the wolf to become a better wolf, you show him what a wolf is. Makes sense, right? Lead by example. So, if you're gonna echo the same system that they've been experiencing their whole life where it's this adversarial thing where it's this corporatized industry system that just has these lanyard-wearing people who just smile all the time. They think those are the people that are going to lead the charge and that these youths are going to see them and be like, yeah, I'm just like that. I should follow them. No, it's it's such a simple idea where it's, you know, 
And the whole the whole thing should be giving these kids power. And how do you give them power? You let them lead the change. You let us lead the change. Because all of this, all of these systems and these programs helped created to help facilitate youth transitioning out of the more fucked up systems our government puts them through because of their poor disadvantaged lives or mental illness or whatever the fuck. And they come out of these systems and the first thing they want to do is reform them and make them better. Well, why not allow that? Why should they go work some dead-end day job where they get no respect, barely make a livable wage, and not use any of the knowledge that they have amassed over the years? Just so some upper-middle-class yuppie can fucking go to college and university to learn theoretically about the things that people are actually experiencing and then going to fake their way through a fucking office job that they literally have no fucking idea the depths of. Because that's what people don't understand is it's a big fucking thing. You have to sacrifice pieces of yourself. And if any company says that that ain't the way to do the job, then they're fucking wrong because they don't understand the extremities that you need to go to to actually create true effective change within these people's lives. It's not a fucking, oh, five o'clock, better clock out. No one can reach me. No, it's a fucking 24-7 position you've taken on because you are directly impacting people's lives. Like, that's the craziest part is like people think it's just a job, but it's way more than just a fucking job. And I've been working with these fucking, this company, Woodgreen or whatever, for many years now. Not much has happened, to be honest. We've been working to create a program called Free to Be. And, you know, we had all, all these ideas and these plans. And then I guess the company got all this money to create a youth drop-in center. So instead of helping create an actual Free to Be space, the company just went ahead and created some bullshit corporate ass. Like, you go into this place, it feels like a children's aid office. It's like, do y'all not... Like, that's how dense they are. You know what I mean? They don't even fully see how stupid they are with the actions that they take. Like, they're, they have such a capitalistic focus on the optics of what they're doing that they're not actually thinking about what they're doing. You know? It's just like, do, 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 do. Do, 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 And maybe at the end of the day, something will pay off. But for what? For who? For you? For them? I don't know. I don't know. All I'm saying is, is you got these people, their fucking power suits, pearled up, fucking broached out. Just, f like, like, what it must feel like to actually have so much confidence in yourself and your beliefs and what you're doing that you like ignorantly take steps to help people that I don't even think you fully fucking understand. It's mind-boggling. But that's the world that we live in, right? The people with the power to make the change don't have the power, and the people with the power don't have the power to make the change. Like, they can want all they want for their better outcomes and to fucking help people or whatever they might be doing, but in the long run, they're not 
fixing anything. The problems are still all there on the grander scale. So do we keep band-aiding this shit? Is that just what we do now? There's like we're so entrenched in the vile, evil bullshit that has been pushed upon us over the last 40 decades. We're so entrenched, so engrossed in all this shit that we're just too deep in it to, for anything to actually truly change. Like, is the chi- is the broken child industry that is the child welfare system? Is it so just so high on the hog of just like making money off the broken backs of the poor and disadvantaged is it are are they so the wealth so connected are people so relying on that income so much that we can't stop everything and actually fucking make some change yeah it would have to be a fucking major change but that's what it takes that's what happens when something isn't working for a while you tear it down and you build something new. But hey, how are you gonna how are you gonna buy your summer home in Europe if you're fucking you know? How are you gonna how are you gonna Nowhere to change nothing, more to perpetuate this cycle of money, greed, fascism, and triviality. I mean, your movement of the people, by the people, and for the people got you nothing. You just hide behind some lost sense of drugs, sex, rock and roll. Oh, kumbaya. I am the future. I am the future of this great nation, which you, Father, so arrogantly saved this world for. Look, I love you guys. Don't get me wrong, it's all about this. But for the first time in my life, I'm 18 and I can say, fuck you! Steven, I didn't, I didn't sell out, son. I bought in. How are the poor can learn what family is when they don't fucking got one you know how am i gonna live feeling safe and secure as a father knowing that those ghouls probably have me on this some list somewhere just as you know uh hey maybe one day keep an eye on them you never know because it's just funny how Going through the system deems you less likely to be a good parent. So your kids will then... (laughs) Oh, man, this is so good, so good. So then your kids (laughs) will be taken (laughs) and put through that same fucking system. (laughs) oh they really fucking figured it out man oh fuck it's just so funny because nothing's ever gonna change (laughs) why would it oh why the fuck would it you know because everyone affects doesn't fucking matter 
Oh, God, it feels good, you know? But, yeah, that's the way she goes. Because my grandmother, Lily Dawn, she was, um, I think she was just wild from a different time and young. My papa, he was wild too, so they never grew up. Started having kids. And that's when, you know, got involved with my mom and shit. When she was a teenager. And that was by the time she stopped growing up. And then it wasn't much long after that that they came for us. And I know, you know, yeah, what of it? My mom was probably rambunctious wild child, you know? But that's what happens when you don't play ball, you know, with those trying to dictate on your life. Why should they ever come to a common ground or meet you in the middle somewhere? It's either you turn the coat or good luck because <laughs> I thought you know when you get taken away from your parents you're supposed to be it's kind of like the prison system where you expect that the true rehabilitation and all that good stuff when in actuality nah it's just a way for them to get free slavery and keep you locked up and probably make you worse. I feel like the CS is very linked to that where it's, um, yeah, they say all this shit, but not a lot of it's true at all. All these promises and expectations and hopes and, um, just broken promises. Like I felt like they took me out of the situation I was in and then just put me in a room by myself somewhere. Like it wasn't, there was no real connection, no real love, because that wasn't allowed, that was inappropriate. That goes against company policy, right? So how do you even, that's the craziest part, you know? He's like willingly subjecting kids to being raised Openly without love. <laughs> Which, um... It's weird. Because, uh... If you don't get love, you never learn how to take love. And also, you don't know how to give it. And, um... weird it's weird because over time it just gets ingrained that you don't deserve love you know because if you did why would these people just make your life so much worse you know it may not have been great before but at least you weren't alone you know, at least you weren't just someone's paycheck 
someone's income. You weren't just their job. You know, you didn't just fucking exist as some burden in some stranger's home just trying to exist, you know? Being treated the fool for being a child and just playing. It just... It's weird. And it's strange and it's... All I know. So... Maybe it's not so weird. But... It probably sucks. Because, <laughs> um... Even to this day, I still get, like, just strange daydreams of moments I'll never have. Because, like, I've said it in the past episodes, like, you can't go back. And that's the hardest part. You can never go back. And once the cement dries... not malleable anymore so what do you do because <laughs> I don't know I'm trying to figure it out I guess it's hard I don't really know how to focus anymore <sighs> it's um Sometimes life can just be really hard for no goddamn reason. <laughs> or it's a buildup of factors that you see building up, but you're almost kind of paralyzed to do anything about it until they all just start falling in on you. And all your life, you've, uh, all of your life, to hinder your development, someone else was handling all that shit. So, you kind of get used to just watching it build up and then fall, and then build up and then fall, build up and then fall. So the tumble becomes normal. It's strange when it's so built up in your mind that nothing can make you better. Because time and time again, they showed you that it can't. And maybe it can, but maybe for someone else. I just don't know what better looks like anymore. Is that is that better for the inside or better for the outside? Like where does it start? And how do you start it? <laughs> Life's a fucking goddamn trip, y'all. It's a goddamn trip. 
But for me, a lot of it started with my mother's mother. That's where I feel like it fell off. Our bloodline, our family, that's where I feel like it all started going downwards. And the next half of this episode, I'm going to, I sat down with my grandmother one day and just kind of had a chat. You know, she's, um, she's 69 years old, you know, nice, nice. She's 69 years old, you know, she's, uh, she's up there now and her head's kind of not what it used to be, but. Sat down with her one day just to, because my grandma's lived the saddest love story I've ever bore witness to in real life. So, sat down with her just to kind of get her to lay that out. And um, I think uh, it's truly when you get into that obsession with love and the Romeo and Juliet symptoms, you know, that. that that mindset um i guess your kids come second or something i don't know but there's some sh- there's some tv and stuff in the background i'm going to try and clean it up in uh before i put it in just edit it up best i can so hopefully it clears it up a bit but either way um yeah here it is the shit luck ballad of lily dawn <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez, my mom used to cry when she'd hear me say that, but I never lived with her, never. Just a little wild child. <laughs> Just like, yeah. no, her mom got it. <laughs> yeah, I can tell our family's just a wild, just a wild bunch. <laughs> I want them to fix this leg and then then I'll be able to go again. Yeah. <laughs> a bit easier at least, right? Yeah. Because I have trouble walking and it hurts. See, that's crooked. <laughs> yeah, it's from all the wear and tear. Yeah, it goes that way. I got all the scratches and that I got when I was in the hospital. How much doubt? The bumps and bruises. Yeah. He left me. I always kept my calm. Like, because I was in so many car accidents, head injuries. Yeah. And uh, they told me uh, not to let anything bother me because I, I black out and I go crazy. So I got, so I just never bothered. And if I did flip out with a guy, I'd end up hurting them. Yeah. I've broken so many guys' wrists and bones. So that's where mom gets it. That's where I get it. 
part of life. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, I had some bad times where I was just trying to work on it more now. Not, now that things control my emotions so much. Yeah. And it just turns me into a person I don't, I don't like. <laughs> I just don't like that feeling. That's um, pretty well. I stay in. Nobody and nobody ever come and see me. Mm-hmm. When I'm here now, and nobody ever comes and sees me. Yeah, well, I will. <laughs> I will. I'm gonna tell Dustin to too, because it's been too long. Yeah. And I don't know. If no one's like our family doesn't know how to be a family, so uh, we gotta try it that much harder to do it. You know? Yeah. The effort has to be there because it hasn't for so long. That everyone's just kind of forgotten. Yeah. It's like, come on, no, we got a family. Like, it's just yeah, well, us. nobody ever, they never bother me, phone me, or anything. Yeah. And so I just never bothered with anybody. I haven't got anything to say on the phone or anything because mm. I don't do anything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Talking on the phone is hard, too. Like, yeah. It's difficult. Especially because our we're all so spaced out and everything. We don't have enough we don't know enough about each other to really just talk. So. Just a real rowdy bunch. <laughs> yeah, it's more fun. I remember it very distinctly. They had this. There's a very 
quaint, nice house. And then yeah. They had an amazing garden. Grandpa built that. Um, so we had it built when I was born. Really? That's yep. awesome. And uh, he, he, they had a, a great big, big evergreen tree out in the backyard. Yeah. And that's where the garden was and flowers and everything. Yeah, because I, rem I remember that that garden and being in that house. But I was like, I was like super young. Yeah, oh yeah. It's like, like a baby probably. Well, Grandpa was so used to having girls. Yeah. Like, him and Grandma had Mom. Yeah. Then me. And then Gloria. And then, you know, that when he had a boy there, they'd sit on his lap, little tiny, and, and Grandpa would playing the organ and, and the little boy get his fingers up there following Grandpa. That's awesome. Oh my God. <laughs> he was great. Yeah, I wish I, wish I could remember better. Such a faint memory. Yeah. Then after that, it all just just got moved around so much. Everything like it's so hard to remember things. Yeah. In a proper way. So my memories are all just kind of all over the place. It's weird. Well, I lived all my life on Hollowich Street over there. Mm -hmm. Wherever it was. Yeah. And I remember you were in Kingston too for a while. Yeah. And uh, that's when I, my leg was broken. I was in, in the hospital there. Yeah. And I'm trying to put my leg together. Well, when Gary went to jail, or well, went into prison, mm -hmm. and I quit. Like I used to smoke and hint and everything else. Yeah. And I quit it all because I didn't want him to think I was doing it. Yeah, going something. off the rails or something, right? Yeah, well, he says that uh, because when I uh, when I smoked or did anything, yeah. I always stripped. Yeah. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't want you out there doing all that. <laughs> so I just quit everything. Yeah, just went on the straight and narrow, just worked. Yeah. Was that when you were at Nortel? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Because I remember we'd come and we'd see you sometimes at your apartment there in Kingston when you were living out there to see him. So it was just easier for you to visit him out there? Yeah. And then he went, oh, and then, um, Gary, they moved him to uh, Southside Kingston. Mm -hmm. I forget what it was called. Was that the, um, was that the one they closed down? Or was it, uh, no, that's There's the one that looks like a big castle. But then there's the one that they closed down a couple years ago. Bath, right? Oh, yeah, no. It's on the other side. Okay. And then Gary 
put in for, because um, they were never going to let him out in Ontario. Really, that's ridiculous. Like, he never even did it. Did it. Yeah. yeah. I, remember, I remember the story. It was like the woman he was with or whatever, right? That he was running with. Yeah. yeah she killed the guy and then came back and got him. And then he was just in the, with the wrong person at the wrong time. Yep. That's, that seems to be like how it always goes. Then you just slip through the cracks until you just... Yeah, and, and uh, she said, she kept telling him, when we go to court, I'll tell the truth. But then her lawyer um, told her, shut up. They don't want you. They want the guy. They yeah. want Gary. That's crazy. And so she never got up and, and like back then he didn't rat on people. Yeah. And uh, she didn't rat, but she didn't admit it either, right? Yeah. Well, she, she just kept the road shot, took him down with her. That's. And she but he wouldn't get up and say, "I never had nothing to do with it." Yeah. She's she was just like old-fashioned man, right? Yeah. yeah. And whatnot. And so uh, they got uh, life something. Life Tanner. I don't know. But she was a way before. Wait, yeah, wasn't it like she was out after like 15 or something? No, I think she was 21. Oh, she was in there for 20? Oh, no, she was 21 years old? Yeah, oh, she got out. Yeah. Oh, jeez. And uh, so Gary went out west, and I went out west. Yeah. Met up. That, that was always your plan. Yeah. yeah. And then we, we got married out there. That's awesome. That's so beautiful. <laughs> and... Uh, he, uh, that's us. Oh, right there? Yeah. Yeah, the one with the Yeah. She's just a ball. You're doing something you said you'd never do. Because <laughs> I never said I'd marry him. No, the bright white clean from your number one value brand, Pura. No, I put it in there and fall down. Yeah, little Jody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's been so different back then. Oh, it looks so good. And I, I had a red dress to get married in. Mm -hmm. But then me and the kids stayed at the motel. Yeah. And uh, Tanya. No, no, you don't want to wear a dress. You wear, and so I got black jeans on. Yeah, nice and flowy shirt. Yeah. I like that. How old are you here? Huh? How old are you here? Probably the 80s? Yeah, probably, yeah. Yeah. This is before Dustin. Yeah. Because yeah. Dustin was 89. Yeah. 
He he used to go with me to see Gary. Dustin? When he was just little. Little curly headed. Yeah. Little glasses. And I used to show him a, a picture of Gary that I had on the wall. Yeah. And I'd say, there's Papa Gary. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope it wasn't too rough on him, at least. Yeah. I mean, that's not as rough as it can be, right? Yeah. But then, oh, West, uh, we were on the island first. Yeah. And then we moved into Abbotsford. I know you don't know. That's in BC. Yeah. And that's when he got to get, to get out. And uh, we used to go shopping. And he fell off the curb. Oh. And, he, and he wasn't used to paying for things like cash. Yeah. Because his cash was in, you know, the commissary or whatever in jail. The yeah, well, the prison. Yeah. They had it, and then he could just spend whatever. Oh he yeah, yeah, yeah. Like buy from canteen. Yeah. And uh, so after he picked out what he wanted in what were we in Kmart. Yeah. I think that's when there was Kmart, and we were in there, and uh, he got he put his stuff down on the uh, conveyor, yeah. and then walked out. <laughs> <laughs> For, uh, well, she typed it all up, yeah. and then she put it in the bag. She put it on my commissary and just grabs the bags. <laughs> yeah, and then he, he walked out the door. And then I, I had explained to her like what was going on, yeah. and then I paid for it all. <laughs> just take it out of my, take it out of my commissary yeah. account. Yeah. She's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. If you're getting any tips, that's where this money will come from. Yeah. But uh, and then he, he went off, uh, slipped off of the curb. And he went over on his ankle, and then uh, we went in a, a restaurant and had uh, ordered like some food. Yeah. And then he had to go to the bathroom, so he went in the bathroom, and then he fell in there. Ugh. And. Uh, I I asked I asked one of the guys if they went and helped him up. Yeah. And then uh, so we ate, and then uh, when he went back to the uh, halfway house, yeah. he was in the halfway house then. Okay. And uh, he ended up having to go to the hospital. They had to, to and his legs turned black from here down. Jesus. And then he got, and then he got. What did the hospital do? What did uh, they do to him? Just fucked them up, eh? Yeah. That's. Sometimes it feels like the system just has it out for some people. Oh, oh yeah. Like yeah. it's. 
But you never would have got out here and you did at least like Yeah, got exactly. Out you guys there. got to go on a date and go shopping and stuff, right? Like, yeah, because there, I was there, like, seeing them all the time. Yeah. Whenever I could have visits, I went. And then, uh, oh, uh, Marilyn Hill, she went, when she went once to visit them, mm -hmm. and she told them at the jail, or at the, yeah, jail that she went to, that she was the girlfriend, mm -hmm. and then Rhonda Sly, she was his Fiance, and then and then the I went. I was the friend. Oh. Well, that's what we were. We were friends, long before yeah. lovers. Yeah, and that always came first, right? Yeah. That's always the best, though. Oh yeah. Yeah, well, I'm the only one stuck with them. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, though. Mm. I think they each did their one, did one visit each. But, well, Rhonda, like, she had three boys by him. Really? And, uh, so she has conjugals. Yeah. Take the boys, mm -hmm. but she had a boyfriend out here, and then he put a stop to it. Yeah. Her door. Real quick, probably. Yeah. So. It's crazy. Jesse, Mike, and Gary. Gary yeah. Junior. Yeah. Young, young Gary. He's the oldest. And then there was Mike. And then Jesse. Did you ever meet them? Huh? Did you ever meet them? Oh, yeah. Like, quite, quite big now. Oh, yeah. But, uh, Mike, he was always with me. Yeah. And then, um, Gary, young Gary, he was always with uh, Rhonda's mom. Yeah. Rhonda's mom. She was probably wild. A wild child running around. <laughs> it's crazy how time just flies by. Changes, people change. Yeah. My family just has a crazy. Like I've never met anyone besides a crazy family life, I guess. Everybody, everybody used, when I worked at Nortel, they all used to tell me, because I'd tell them what. what What's going on yeah. with me? And uh, they'd all be tell, always telling me, you ought to be writing a book, 
Yeah. Yeah. That's what I want to do. I want, I want to do it one day. Do it for our family. I was too busy. Living it. Yeah. That's why I have to do it. Because I'm not. Yeah, it's just one of those. I don't know. Uh huh. It's just one of those things. Like, even Papa was just like a wild man. Like every time I meet someone, they're always just telling me stories about him. Just like, like how he was just like the craziest dancer. And then I'm a good, I'm a crazy dancer too. So that's where I get it. It was crazy when they told me that. So I was like, so that's where I get it from. <laughs> Oh, um, oh, he's dying. I remember when the, uh, the big boarding house on Octavia that they had burned down. Back in like the 90s. Me and Mum were in Hamilton at the time, but Dustin lived with Papa. In the big, there's oh. a, the big boarding house in Octavia, around the yeah. corner there, right in front of the school. Yeah. Where like everyone lived for some Yeah, time. he, um, he owned that. Yeah, and everyone lived there, like everybody. <laughs> like, there'd be one room where all the kids were, and then all the, the, the young adults were somewhere, and then all the older people were somewhere else. And, and I remember when it, uh, when they threw that ball through and started it on fire. Yeah. And he ran outside, not a stitch yeah. on. But naked, right? Yeah. And Dustin, too. I think he carried Dustin there. Yeah. And I remember, I was, I was so young, and I remember Mom just, because we lived in Hamilton, so we were so far away, and I remember Mom just telling me, and I, I didn't really understand what she was telling me, so I thought Dustin was like dead. So like, the, I just went upstairs and cried in my room. Like I didn't know what was going on. It was so crazy. Yeah. And yeah, and then she didn't. I didn't even know someone did it until like a few months ago. My mom told me that someone actually, uh, some woman did it and never got caught. And like she, she killed people. That's yeah. Michael died, like, that was nuts. just the same. It's crazy how people get away with all that. Oh, yeah. Just because we're on the wrong side of the law, family of outlaws. Health card. It's my birth certificate. It's crazy. Your first name is Lily. Yeah, Lily Dawn. Stop. That's awesome. I just, I just, I don't know a lot about our family, so it's so cool to, like, I've never seen, like, history and stuff, so it's just cool to see, like, stuff like this. You'll see, I, um, 
brought up by Grandma and Grandpa. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't know nothing. My dad or my mom or dad or anything. Oh, it's like a lost. They used to come and on Sundays and Grandma and um, make up a, a big Sunday dinner. Yeah. And all the game, like Gloria and I used to think they'd come to see us. Mm -hmm. But it was to weasel money out of Grandpa and Grandma. Yeah, of course. To play the role, right? Yeah. <sighs> Sounded like my mom is a lot like your mom. Hey, Dirk, my driver's license. I don't have a driver's license anymore. Whoa! Oh, Sorry. Yeah. I took it all away. <laughs> <laughs> driver's license. More money in my purse. Things have gone from bad to worse. What to do about it? Let's put off the lights and go to sleep. Yes. And that was my sit down with my grandma Lily Don. And uh yeah, it's just crazy to actually just kinda because I don't really know much about my past or family history or anything, so it's it was trippy just to go back on it like that and just kind of hear how dysfunction can be can really be just like genetic and just generational, like it's passed down. It's like once the once that link in the chain of Stability is broken. It just it's hard to hard to get it back reconnected again, I guess, and back on track. It's it's it's, it's kind of a trippy thing. Like I don't know. It's you'd think you'd think the people who are trying to help people who are in situations like that or in families like that are caught in that kind of cyclical loop of just repetition, systemic interference and bullshit, you'd think they'd kind of look back into the into your family history and just kind of realize it and try and just counteract it in some productive and positive way. It's, I don't know, it's just disappointingly self-perpetuating at this point. Man, it's just cool to hear my grandma. She's she's kind of drifting, but it's cool. Like after I listened to this, I had to go and listen to uh, "Paradise" by the Dashboard Lights by Meatloaf because there was one day where I was driving somewhere with my grandmother, and uh, the song came on the radio, and she just like was so into it, singing along the whole time. It's like a fucking seven, eight minute song. So it's like, and it pretty much tells like the whole story of love, basically, and all of the cornerstones and key points to 
having a soulmate the from start to finish and i remember we were driving and she was just telling me how like just just having this talk just explaining to me just love and relationships and how things between a man and a woman can be and just like the the beautiful chaos that can come from it all and that kind of stuff where it's it's a painful a painful pleasure in a way and sometimes it doesn't always pay off and she just she's always just lived that just one of the you know she I don't know she understood love in the like I think that's where I get my understanding of what love is or maybe because the way she explains it is just so I don't know just the whole friendship aspect and because I think often we overlook the true meaning of love and what loving someone means because we're often more than not selfish with it and it's a very self-serving it's strange I don't know so it's just one of those things I can never quite come to terms with or figure out, you know, like what side to come down on. It's all so conflicting. But I always just cherish that memory of just like, just having that talk with her and having her explain to me her outlooks on it and even just having the sit down with her recorded and now a part of my podcast where she just kind of breaks it down in the best way she can really. And, um, I don't know, wish I could have done better for her, but, you know, what can you do? Some shit's hard, we're just part of that, that gypsy, white trash, fucking northern delight, you know? (laughs) I guess normal gypsies are more European and we're part of the Americas over here. North America. What up? But yeah. And for the roll the outro. And that's the episode. I'm your host, Nicholas Ridiculous, aka Nick Ridick, aka the Hairless Hyena. I'd like to thank you for stopping by the Hurt Circus one more time and uh, hope to see you again next time. You can hit me up on Instagram at Nicholas Ridiculous. Check out my upcycle fashion line at www.underbellysociety.com. My website, nicholasridiculous.ca. Check out our music, Dimebag Crew. It's on most streaming platforms. Um, I think that's about everything. Yeah, so, you know, if you're going to get out in the world, you better be goddamn worthwhile. Peace. Shit.